Marinaro, the sick podcast, very eventful day today with the Montreal Canadiens and a Zoom call in which general manager Kent Hughes and center Kirby Dock actually attended because the Canadians announced that Kirby Dock signed a four-year deal the way our insider, who's going to join us today, Eric Engels, told us that he would. Information on Kirby Dock, the Canadians say they're betting on him. He's betting on the Canadians. This sounds like a pretty good deal as they enter year three or year four. The Canadians should be getting their money's worth. There's no doubt about it. Where does he fit into the equation? We also found out some news on Sean Monaghan, Jonathan Drouin, and some very important news that we all suspected regarding Montreal Canadiens goaltender Carey Price. We're talking Habs right here on the Sick Podcast. I'm Marinero. Joining me, Eric Engels from Sportsnet. Turn up your volume. Because you're about to listen to The Sick Podcast. With Tony Maradero. The Sickest Montreal Canadiens Podcast. And now, a 24th Stanley Cup banner will hang from the rafters of the famous forum in Montreal. The Canadiens win the Stanley Cup. Sports entertainment like no other. Brought to you by 8.6 Beer. Intense by nature. And Lacage. If the last time you went to Lacage was when the Habs won the cup, it's time you went back to Lacage. The menu will surprise you. Live from Spain. As a matter of fact, I've been here for almost two weeks. So uh, if the internet isn't as stable as it is back home, you'll uh, please excuse me. And I'm not wearing my sick attire today. Uh, I left it at home, uh, but it's brought to you by 8.6 Beer, Intense by Nature, the beer for those who follow their instinct and live their passions in order to make their mark, and brought to you by Lacage. And speaking of which, I want to let you know that the Sick Podcast, which has been getting sicker and sicker and sicker in the last year and a half or so, is going to take another step forward and get even sicker. The Sick Podcast with myself, Tony Marinero, is about to get a whole lot sicker. Join us at Lacage de Carry on Saturday, October 1st at 7 p.m. for the big news. That's on Rue de Jockeys, and you're going to have to call to RSVP. Do so because if you wait, you're going to be out of luck. And so uh, on that note, I bring in our guest from Sportsnet, Eric Engels. What's going on? Tony, you're not wearing the T-shirt, but you're still sick, buddy. Uh, yeah, yeah, I, I am in many ways, actually, because I got a runny nose, so I'm sick a couple of ways, but, uh, uh-huh. Kirby Doc signs a four-year deal, and, uh, I think it was several days ago, Eric, that you hinted at it via Twitter, saying, don't be surprised if Kirby Doc signs a four-year deal somewhere near the $3.5 million a year mark, and he signed for almost $3.4 million. It's close enough for me, Eric. Uh, if there were ever any doubts, Eric Engels is a Habs insider. There's no doubt about it. Uh, Eric, good for you. Uh, what do you make of the deal and what do you make of the term? Well, it's funny. You know, you said it kind of in your intro to the show here, and I'm hearing it a lot that this could be a really good year, deal in years three and year four. And that's obviously with the caveat that if he only had signed a two-year deal, the number might be a little bit lower in terms of an annual uh, average salary. But I keep looking at the numbers and saying to myself, you know, I looked at nine players who played as many games as Kirby Doc last year, at least 70. And those players make between 3.2 and 3.5 million bucks. 
If you had to guess what the average point production was for those nine players forwards, what would you guess that it is, Tony? 35 points. Pretty close. 32 points. Doc had 26 last year. So if he scored six more points, he's at an average point production of what forwards like him are making in the NHL. So if that happens in year one, which I think is a pretty reasonable expectation that he could score six more points than the 26 he put up in 70 games last year, are we calling it a good deal in year one? I, I would say so. And, you know, one of the contracts I look at is this Barry Kotkaniemi, who signed a deal, I believe, a long-term deal at about $4.8 million. And so to get Kirby Doc under 3.4, I think Kirby Doc compares to Sperry Kotkaniemi, and I think he can outproduce you, Sperry Kotkaniemi, when Jesperi Kakanyemi was a hab, of course. Yeah, I mean, I look back at Kirby Doc coming into the NHL and what the promise was there. Obviously, injury slowed him down. Obviously, the way he was used in Chicago and the turmoil on and off the ice with the Blackhawks was a factor in his production and his slowness to reach his potential or yet to reach his potential. He obviously played a role in it, too. He didn't play to his potential. He's a young player. He's inexperienced, and that's part of the, the process, of we, as we've seen with several players, and specifically players, for whatever reason, drafted third overall in the NHL. But, you know, like I think we all saw what this kid could be before he busted his wrist at the World Juniors, and I think he still believes that's the potential that he has. The Canadians clearly believe it. Otherwise, they wouldn't have shipped the picks over to Chicago and traded Alex Romanov to acquire the picks. And... You know, I look at the deal and say, in year one, it could be good value if he reaches the average point production that a player between 3.2 and 3.5 million uh, produces in the NHL at current. Uh, with the cap going up, it has a risk of looking like a home run of a deal for Montreal. And it's not like, oh, it's all this huge concession to the Canadians, because look at it from Doc's angle. He gets the security of a four-year deal. He gets at least $3 million in the bank. Uh, he hasn't produced to the point he's being paid for potential at this stage. He gets to be a restricted free agent coming out of the deal with arbitration rights and one year away from unrestricted free agency where the options available to him will be a short-term deal and then he could choose wherever he wants to play or a long-term yeah. deal with the Canadians because he's hit it and is making a ton of money uh, with the inflation of the salary cap and with his production. So. You know, I think it has the potential to be a good deal in year one, a very good deal in year two, and a really good deal in years three and four. Do I think he'll regress from where we've seen him, you know, in his first three years in Chicago? It's a possibility. I wouldn't bet on that. Um, I think in Marty St. Louis' system, I think with the players he'll be playing with, yes, the Canadians are a couple years away from being competitive. Uh, do they have a forward group that can produce a lot more than what we saw last year? I believe they do. Um, and I just think with something to prove and with people placing bets on him um, and believing in him and giving him this contract, I, I think there's a much stronger chance that he hits it than if he flops. You talked about Marty St. Louis and the Canadians had awesome coverage of the draft, took us behind the scenes. And one of the uh, one of the things we saw was Kent Hughes actually uh, pick up his iPhone and say, call Kirby Doc and then says, Kirby, we're really excited to have you. I've uh, been working on this deal pretty much nonstop for the last 48 hours. And uh, you're going to you're gonna love the coach. You're going to play offense here. You're going to play a lot. Uh, and then he went on to say, you know, we just drafted a guy who's actually even bigger than you. So um, the Canadians, and they, they brought it up on a couple. Of, let's hear from Kent Hughes, actually, because he brought up a very important point. Let's hear from him from earlier today. Well, listen, we've done like just about every trade that we've done, you know, before we do it, we 
take the time to do our due diligence and understand the player and, and as a player, but also as an individual. And, and uh, you know, we're comfortable with who Kirby Doc is as a human being first and foremost, and what his potential is. There's no such thing as being 100% certain in this business. Uh, but we believe he's got a lot of potential, and we believe in this environment with our group, with our coach, with our development group, and, and the character of the locker room, uh, that this is a better environment for Kirby Doc. And, and uh, in that environment, we're comfortable that uh, he's going to uh, achieve good things in, in the Montreal Canadiens organization. Do we know 100%? No, but we do believe that uh, we're prepared to bet on it. You know, if you listen very carefully, Kent Hughes, every time he talks about some of his offensive players, he talks about their development coach and he talks about their development team. They're really convinced that Adam Nicholas and his group are going to help pretty much every single forward on this team. Yeah, they are. But, you know, it's not just Nicholas and that group and the skills development that they've brought in. It's the way they're operating as an organization. I think we talked about this a couple of times ago that, I came on your podcast that there's some congruence here with between the different departments. Everybody's kind of on the same page. And if you're Kent Hughes and Jeff Gordon, how are you not going to believe what you put in place here in terms of that aspect, the analytics aspect, the different people coming in around development, like Mary Philippe Poulain, who will work with players, uh, maybe not Kirby Doc, but a player like Slavkovsky, who might not spend the entire year in the NHL. We'll see where that goes. But I'm just saying, like, you know, I, if anybody's going to believe in it, it's these guys. They've made these installations, made development the top priority of the team as they should, considering where the team is at and where the roster is at and what their plan is long term here to build a sustainable, successful hockey team. Um, and I just think Marty St. Louis offered amazing evidence of how far along they are in terms of growing their development department. He's a huge part of it. Hiring Stefan Robida versus going out and getting a former NHL coach uh, like they may have tried to do. You know, there were some rumblings that that Marty St. Louis was interested in hiring David Quinn before he signed on in San Jose. But, you know, all that said, he was looking at it from a development standpoint. So Stefan Robida comes in on defense, you know, with, with what looks like not a lot of experience, but a lot of experience in development. So yeah, this is what the Canadians are banking on. And I think they look at all their young players that they're bringing in, whether the prospects that Kent Hughes traded for, um, whether it's Ty Smolanik and the Toffoli deal or whoever you want to pick uh, in the Florida deal from Sherratt or, uh, you know, take, go down the list of, of the different players, whatever it is. Um, I just think they believe in what they're building here and that they're giving these young players an opportunity to succeed. Now, we're going to see what the proof is as the season rolls along, as they go in with a young defense core, as they go in with young yeah. forwards. How will they scale back? How will they say, OK, you know, this kid needs to take a step back, go to the AHL for 20 games? It'll be interesting to see how they navigate those situations. Yeah, or they didn't need to hire an experienced assistant coach if you think about it because, I mean, they won't say this openly, but um, if that assistant coach would have helped them pick up a few more points in the standings, probably would have been counterproductive towards what the plan is actually going to be. I think they've said it already that, you know what, are they at the point right now where they're better than a lot of teams in their division and in their conference, and they know they're not just yet – so the way to get better long-term and to sustain it is to make sure that you draft accordingly. Uh, you have the best chances of drafting a better player, of course, when you pick top five, and you develop accordingly. So that's their plan. They're following through on it. Speaking of following through, 
Um, we were waiting to get an update on Carey Price, but I think we pretty much already had it already. Um, it didn't look good for Carey Price. Last time Kent Hughes spoke to us, uh, to the media, he had told us that he didn't see a path for Carey to actually play this season. And today he confirmed that Carey Price is on long-term injury reserve. So if you're wondering if the Canadians are over the cap for now, it doesn't really matter. No surprise, I guess. Hey, Eric? No, no surprise. And, you know, uh, I think we're all eager to speak to Kerry, and, and that will happen as training camp unfolds, and he'll meet with Kent Hughes and uh, at least one doctor up on the podium to explain exactly where Kerry's at in the process. What we can say for sure is he's not going to play this year. You know, at, at any point this season, you are not going to see Kerry Price. Um, whether or not he decides at some point this year that he's not done playing hockey and wants to give it one more run with a surgery that won't guarantee that he could come back. Um, that after would be a year good. off, after a year off at age 35, if I can. Yeah. yeah. And after, after two years off really, cause he played five games last year on a knee that wasn't good enough to really get him through anyways. So it's a huge decision. It rests solely with price. If he decides that he wants to make a move to return and again, nothing guarantees that he'll be able to, even if he has a procedure, because as we know, go back, you know, two summers, he had a procedure, a similar one to the one he would need, and it didn't do the trick. So uh, I don't know what the future holds for him. I've said it before and I'll say it again. Uh, if Carey Price wants to play hockey again, I really hope he can do it. I, I always want to see athletes be able to call their own shot, and I can't think of somebody else who deserves to be able to do it more than Carey Price. But what we know for sure, and we can stop asking about it, is Carey Price is not going to play the 2022-23 season, and the Canadians have made it so that it would be impossible um, from a cap and financial perspective. It sounds like Sean Monaghan, Jonathan Drouin, Paul Byron, to name a few, were all nursing injuries as well. Uh, there's no guarantee that they're going to start the season on time when the Canadians play the Toronto Maple Leafs on the 12th of October. Um, but what it does look like is that they're not going to miss a lot of time. Right? Kent Hughes says that he expects them to be back early on in the season if they're not there at the start of the season. Yeah, and we'll see, right? Like, I think we've learned, uh, especially over the last year with the situation with Joel Edmondson, who got hurt on the first day of training camp, and we kept hearing, oh, you'll be back in a couple of weeks, and oh, he'll be back in three weeks, and then he'll be back in uh, two months, and then he just wasn't back uh, until halfway through the season or however long it yeah. took for him to get back into games. When you have players that have, um, you know, lingering injuries like Paul Byron specifically, um, you hope for the best, and he has full intentions. His training is to come back and expects to be able to play. So I think it was important for Ken Hughes to mention that from a cap perspective because the opportunity to put him on long-term IR and clear more space um, or at least some flexibility for the Canadians is not there knowing that he will likely return and probably soon into the season, if not to start the season. Uh, Sean Monaghan, I thought it was smart what Ken Hughes said about the fact that, you know, last time he had hip surgery, it was supposed to be a six, seven-month recovery and he was back on the ice after four and it may have delayed what was a full recovery for him and impacted his play. Now, you know, Monaghan had surgery a little earlier in the summer and should be on target to start the season on time. And Hughes has told him, don't rush to do it. You know, whether it's a week, two weeks, three weeks, whatever it is, you'll be a part of our group when you're good and ready and make sure you're at a hundred percent. There's no pressure for the Canadians. You know, you, you outlined it pretty well in terms of where they stand and what they're trying to achieve this year. They're not going into the tank but they're certainly not going to be crying about uh, the opportunity to draft in the top five of what's expected to be a really good draft and perhaps first yeah. overall. Um, and, you know, when it comes to Drouet, 
we've seen what this injury is that he had. He had the other wrists done, uh, you know, a, a couple of years back and now had this one done and, and uh, he's on target and he was on the ice today. I saw him in Brossard and he looks good. Uh, whether or not he's ready to play right away, we'll see. But if he is, great. If he's not, it'll take a week or two. And you hope for all three of them, um, you know, that they can come back and play to their ability, specifically, I think, in Jeremiah's case and, and Byron's case. Uh, and Mon- I, mean, yeah, I, I shouldn't specify because all three of them are, are in need of some redemption in the NHL. And um, Byron, you know, more so probably than the, the other two, just really was pure injury situation that he wasn't able to to be the type of player we've seen in his first few years in Montreal. So, yeah, hoping for all three of them to be back as soon as possible. It sucks being injured in the way they have yeah. been injured. And it's good news for the Canadians. All right, okay. In ending, uh, if we can, considering that Kirby Doc had that wrist injury that you talked about and he had the surgery and he struggles in the face-off circle, uh, would you, and we'll have plenty of time to talk about this, but right now if I ask you today, would you put him on a line with Sean Monahan so that Monahan can insulate him in the circle? Monahan could actually take the face-offs because Monahan has played both center and wing. Or would you make Kirby be a centerman, Monahan be a centerman, a Dvorak be a centerman, and Suzuki be a centerman? I don't know what I would do, but I have. Yeah, I have a feeling we're going to see kind of a rotation up the middle. I think Nick Suzuki is locked in there. I think Christian Dvorak is locked in there. The other three guys, uh, you know, uh, Doc, Monaghan, and Evans, I think you'll see a rotation based on what the needs are, what the injury situation is, and who fits well on what line. Um, If I'm the Canadians, I'm giving Kirby Doc real good line mates. I mean, I think the offensive potential is much higher than what he's shown in Chicago for his first three years in the NHL. Uh, from Monaghan, uh, he can return to form, but not to the form that we saw a couple of years ago. He's just been through too much, and I don't think he's coming in here with the expectation that he's suddenly going to put up 60 points and play top six minutes. Um, they can mix and match things based on who's performing and who isn't. You know, we talked about players in need of redemption. Christian Dvorak had a really rough first half of last year. He got hurt and then came back, and we finally started to show what – you know, what he really should be and what we saw from him in Arizona. Um, but if he comes into camp and is lagging off the start, then that's an opportunity for a guy like Monaghan to move up. So competition is good. Depth up the middle is good. Ken Hughes said he'd much rather have depth up the middle than a lack of it. And I think he's right about that. You look at the most successful teams in the NHL, think about Tampa specifically over a number of years where they had a lot of centermen playing on the wing. Um, you know, that's yeah. an opportunity. It's a great thing if you're Martin St. Louis, to have those options available to you versus not knowing who to put in the middle or having to put Byron or Drouet in the middle because you're missing guys uh, like Ducharme was during the COVID uh, era of the Canadians last year. God, I'm sorry to bring it up. I think everybody would prefer to forget about it. But, you know, like this is the situation that you hope for as a coach. And this is the situation that Kent Hughes has kind of manipulated here over the summer to create that depth. All right, Eric, here's the last one for today, okay? And that is, Kent Hughes said that in an ideal world, he still like to trade a player so that he can make some more mo- uh, room on the cap, so shave some of that cap money, but he's not going to end up trading away a player just for the sake of trading away a player, and if he likes a player, he's obviously not going to trade the player. So he said it doesn't have to happen, but it would be good if it could happen. 
who do you see it happening with? Honestly, it's an impossible question to answer right now, but I could tell you what I think will happen between now and the start of the season, which is that one of the forwards in excess here, um, I think Ken Hughes will have an opportunity to move that player and, and get something back in return. Maybe it's future considerations. Maybe it's a, a late pick or another player that could potentially help. I also think, as he mentioned, he'll look at waivers to potentially add to his roster because other teams are in cap crunches and there will be certain players available. And I think that's specifically how he might fill a need on defense with he's got Edmondson and he's got Matheson and he's got Savard and Weidman. But after that, you know, you're a veteran goes down and you're really young on defense. And we've talked about development and how much yeah. they want to insulate those kids. Their best opportunity to potentially continue to do that might be picking up a defenseman through waivers on a minimum salary, but a veteran presence uh, in the NHL. And that's provided they, they're able to make a move before that to clear out a bit of cap space and create that flexibility that they that they so desire going into an, another full season and with the situation they're in and long-term IR with Carey Price and the off-season implication, uh, which we don't want to get into the minutia of that because, quite frankly, it's way too boring for your for your viewers. But, uh, no, you know, not, it, it not is only like, that, but not, not only that, but I have to go uh, pick up my dictionary and, and yeah. check up what minutia means. But, Eric, yeah. always a pleasure, and I hope to talk to you soon, bud. Thanks for doing this, man. It's a pleasure, Tony. I think we'll be talking a lot. I hope so. All right. It's Marinero. It's the Sick Podcast, and you can follow us on Instagram, on Twitter, on Facebook, and subscribe to our YouTube channel. It's absolutely free. Send us a message. Comment Sick, S-I-C-K, and if you're listening on audio, Make sure to give us a five-star review. That's our way of feeling the love. I apologize if it jammed up every now and then. I'm in Spain. The uh, The signal is, uh, the Wi-Fi is not as stable as it would be in Canada, but I should be back home in the next 10 days or so. I really wanted to do this because we had big Habs news, and every time there, there's Habs news, there's going to be the sick podcast with Marinero. Have a good one. Until next time. And that's a wrap. Hope you don't miss us too much until next time. Follow The Sick Podcast with Tony Marinero on YouTube, Instagram, Facebook, Google Play, and Apple Podcasts. The Sick Podcast is brought to you by 8.6, Intense by Nature, and Lakage. If the last time you went to Lakage was when the Habs won the cup, it's time you went back to Lakage. The menu will surprise you.